Rise and shine, you Syracuse superfans. It's time to pour yourself a tall, delicious glass of orange fizz. Syracuse recruiting news, insider information, latest SU buzz. The Syracuse blogosphere comes to life on the Central New York Airwaves. It's Fizz Radio. Welcome back to another FizzCast, ladies and gentlemen, joined by Ian Unsworth. My name's John Eads. We are back on the Fizz Airwaves today. After an interesting week of Syracuse basketball, a, a week that saw Syracuse go 0-1-1, I guess we'll say, uh, uh, win slash loss to Louisville, the game got canceled, and then that's a horrific performance uh, the Orange had against Clemson. Sir, uh, excuse me. Ian, what are your final thoughts on that performance here as we're a couple days uh, you know, away uh, from that game, I guess, if you gather your thoughts? Uh, it's, there's one stat that matters from that game, John, and that is three for 25. Syracuse made three field goals in the first half of that game. That's unacceptable. You score six points from in, in like the actual run of play that you can't do that no matter what level you're playing. It doesn't matter if you're playing in the children's Y league, you can't score six points in a quarter. It, I just don't understand where the lack of offense comes from. And sure, Joe Girard comes out in the second half, scores 19. That's cool. It didn't matter. Clemson took its foot off the gas pedal. Whatever happened in the second half, I don't care how many points they scored, it did not matter. Because scoring under 20 in the first half, is you just can't do that in conference play. Where are the excuses? I don't have any excuses for the team at this point. Yeah. Yeah. And at a certain point, you know, you got to tip your cap to Clemson. Outstanding defensive team, as we covered in last week's FizzCast. And, again, you could check us out on any anywhere you get your uh, podcast. you got SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Music, etc. And we got our post-game uh, story on that as well. But at, at some point, you got to tip your cap to Clemson. Uh, one of the best, the second-best defensive unit in the conference. And Amir Sims was just unbelievable. I mean, Amir Sims, Quincy Garrier, Sims definitely had the better of that matchup. And for all of you that wanted to see what Barama Sidibe would look like and how he could potentially transform this team, well, you got your answer. He played 11 minutes, Ian, had four fouls and one point. John, I hate to say it, but last week you said, we don't know how good this Syracuse team is because Barama hasn't played. And I, we, I think we've really held up Barama Sidibe as this sort of unknown, this beacon of hope. But going back to last year... Everyone in the 315 was just frustrated at the level Barama Sidibe was playing at. We were like, oh, he's fouling out. He's foul, foul, foul. He can't catch the ball under the basket. He can't rebound. People were not happy with Barama Sidibe's performances last year. So to think that this year he'd come in and be magically different after this knee surgery, I mean, he played four minutes against Bryant. That's all we saw from him. And Brian, I think Brian's tallest player was like six seven. So there, we had no record of what Barama Sidibe did from last this season. And I mean, after what we saw against Clemson, I'm I'm not ready to stamp Syracuse as any different. I think it's the same Barama that we saw last year, and maybe those performances at the end of the season where he played the best game of his life against Pitt, and then had a couple couple of those afterwards where he just kept building and building on his success. Those might have been a flash in the pan. Potentially some outliers, but Ian said it. Same old Barama, same old Syracuse. The Orange enter this week 10-6, and 4-5 and five of the conference, seemingly out of the tournament. Uh, our 
One of our staff writers, Matt Bonaparte, wrote an article, Can SU make the tournament? He basically said, no, they cannot. Obviously, there's a slim chance with the automatic qualifier winning the ACC tournament, but I mean, come on, guys. Syracuse, right now at least, not winning the ACC tournament. But the Orange have opportunities to get some wins this week. Uh, sweep NC State tonight at 6.30. Getting a little preview in for you guys. Glad you're listening. And then the Orange have another great opportunity. I mean, what should be a win. You should pencil this in as a win on Saturday at 2 against Boston College. But before we got, dive into those previews and what to expect from those matchups, I want to talk about Benny Williams. He signed the other day on National Signing Day. Ian, I want to know, you're, you're hip to you know the basketball recruiting, what good prospects look like. What can Benny Williams bring to this Syracuse team besides a potentially potent and solid presence down low? Benny Williams is a dynamic player on all levels of the basketball court. When you watch his, he's 6'8", he's going to play a forward spot for Bayheim, and I'm not sure if he'll start or come off the bench next year. That remains to be seen. Of course, a lot of factors where Quincy, Quincy Garrier goes is he coming back for another year to improve his ball handling or is he going to the NBA depending on the feedback he hears from in draft scouts all that's beside the point Benny Williams is going to come in next year and have an instant impact he might play over the likes of Robert Braswell and Woody Newton he might not however he is a true athlete and at 6'8 he handles the ball extremely well he's a confident jump shooter he can step out shoot it from the three if need be but he's really good in that 15 to 18 mid-range area and he's an athlete too he can get to the basket with the best of them and his leaping ability spectacular on the defensive end he's great too this year especially playing at IMG Academy against top competition he's really improved I mean you know playing playing in your local high school you're not going to see many opponents who are 6'8 but this year at IMG he's really he's bulked up he had the opportunity all throughout quarantine to be down in Bradenton working on his strength, his conditioning, all that sort of stuff. So he's become a lot better on that end, and he's guarding players that are his stature. So he's getting accustomed to you know banging with big bodies. We'll see if that translates to the zone. It might take a bit of learning. However, he's a super high IQ guy, and he's been bought into Syracuse for a while. So I would expect Benny to come in with a knowledge of Bayheim's 2-3 zone, and probably to play right away. Maybe not start, but certainly play right away. And the recruiting rankings back up the fact that he's gotten better. He's now a five-star. Can you believe that? 25th in the country. Uh, this, of course, the 247 composite. Seventh at his position of small forward and fourth best player in Florida. Played at IMG, like Ian said. Same school as Jesse Edwards. A huge pickup for the Orange. And Ian and I have kind of gone back and forth on this in the past couple days. We Syracuse really has no answers down low. They don't have a proven guy now or down the line that can step in and be a rim protector for Syracuse. I mean, look at Manny Bates. He is everything that Syracuse should have and should be down low at the four or the five. Can Benny Williams be this guy in the future? No, he's not a center. Syracuse needs a center. And we'll, we'll, this is a situation to monitor in the far, far future, but Matthew Gutierrez of The Athletic put out an article the other day Brandon Huntley Hatfield, a class of 2022 center, has Syracuse in his top six. Uh, that's that's a situation for a lot further down the road, but he's a very interesting guy to keep an eye on because he could play that five spot. Benny's not he's not a rim protector. He's not going to play the five unless you know some wonky injury stuff happens or the faith that Bayheim has currently lost with Jesse Edwards and John Bolajac continues down the road, and those dudes just continue to be zeros for this program. If something like that happens, Marek Dolzhai is going to leave at some point. We don't at this point, Marek could be around for two, three more years, but he's going to leave the program at some point. 
So if Bayheim keep keeps wanting to play small ball, whether it's Quincy or Benny, maybe one of those guys gets stuck at the five. However, there have to be better options than the six eight small forward. Wherever he plays, he should be a good one for Syracuse. The big thing there is you got to get him enrolled. You got to get him in on campus, and then you can figure everything else out from there. We'll see how that plays out. Let's start getting into the previews here. Let's first talk about NC State. Ian, you want to kick us off with uh, Fizz Factoid? Not necessarily regarding NC State, but more of a Syracuse Fizz well, Factoid. Well, I'd, I'd say it kind of relates because Kadari Richmond had a heck of a game against NC State. It sealed the game with that spinning lefty layup. Beautiful take. And Richmond had six steals against Clemson. That's a career high. He leads the team with 32 steals. And if he ends the season as Syracuse's leader in steals, it's the first time since the 1975-76 season that a freshman has recorded the most steals for the Orange in back-to-back -back years. Last year, it was Joe Girard with a team-high 47. So, even though Girard has been a pretty big defensive minus this year, it feels like the freshmen have back, you know, positive impacts on the defensive end because they're playing right away. And Richmond, we all know he's a plus with his length and athleticism. Yeah, he's been a steady presence, especially you know, coach talks about coach Beheim talks about his instincts. I mean, it looks as if he knows what the opponent wants to do with the ball before they even do it. It's spectacular, and I'm sure we're going to see Richmond quite a bit tonight. He played a huge role in that first matchup that SU won 76-73. But in that first matchup. No Devin Daniels for NC State, their best player. He's done for the year with an ACL tear. No DJ Funderburk for some school policies he violated. But Funderburk is back tonight, and that could play a huge role in the outcome of this Funderburk's game. back. He's been coming off the bench, which is an interesting change because he was starting at the beginning of the year. But Kevin Keats has really been mixing it up over these past couple of games, throwing different dudes in the starting lineup to see, hey, what works? How are we going to get production without Devin Daniels? Because that's a huge loss. He was averaging north of 16 points a game for the Wolfpack. Funderburg against uh, BC, which was their last game, he had 14 points, played 21 minutes off the bench, 14-7 rebounds. Now, that's a pretty typical game for him, and he, he played 21 minutes. So, obviously, you said he got suspended for university policies. He didn't, you know, take a day off with his conditioning or anything. He's right back in basketball shape. And the funny thing, against BC, it was a bit of a blowout. North Carolina State won 81-65. Jericho Hellams only played 20 minutes, and so only scored 11 points. So, as I said, Keats really mixing it up and trying to get as many guys in there as possible. I mean, why not against a BC team that's pretty much the doormat of the ACC this year? But Funderburk is is he's going to contribute down the stretch, and they're probably, I mean, NC State's going to pound the ball to him now, especially because they know they can exploit Syracuse at the free throw line and down low. They're going to work Helms and Funderburk as much as they possibly can. Yeah, the last three games, the Wolfpack have definitely made more of a point, especially without Daniels, to get the ball inside. They've averaged 33.3 points per game in the paint the last three contests, and they're plus 32 in the last three games. So that's spectacular. And you mentioned Keats mixing it up. The Pack have had nine different starting lineups in 15 in their 15 games this season. And last year, they had 10 different starting lineups in their 32 games. So he really likes to mix it up. We saw Pitt the other day. They took what was J Xavier Johnson right out of the starting lineup. He proceeds to come off the bench and have a spectacular performance, 30 points. Yeah, that's the most in the ACC this year, so, off the bench. So maybe... Who, who knows? Maybe maybe it works. Maybe it works. I don't know. I mean, Shaquille Moore came off the bench for NC State against BC, scored a team-high 19. It's a, Kevin Keyes is really playing with, with his young guards. He's got a lot of them, as we saw. Darion Sebron as well, Thomas Allen Jr., but a guy who's still making his way into the rotation. Keats has a lot of options that he can mix and match. And I think we pretty much know who to, who to watch for 
from NC State. As we gave you guys a lot of names in the last FizzCast, and chances are you probably watched the game, so you know what to expect. John, what's your what's your key to sweeping the Wolf Pack? You know, getting out of PNC Arena, a tough place to win, a tough place to win with a victory. Well, I just wrote an article, and it's up on the site at orangefizz.net with three keys to the game. And I'll give you what I think could be the most important. So NC State is 8-1 when they force 15 or more turnovers. NC State is at its best when they're getting out in transition and scoring off of those turnovers. They, uh, when they get to that 19 points off turnovers benchmark, they're 7-0. When they don't, they're 1-7. When they don't force 15 turnovers or more, they're 1-7. Actually, 0-6, oh, excuse me. And in the first matchup, the Orange turned it over 10 times, which I said only 10 times, which Ian was like, well, that's not very good. I was like, yes, but that'll get the job done. So protect uh, the basketball. Don't give NC State opportunities to get out and transition and score and start some momentum, start some runs. I'd say that's the biggest key to winning tonight. Look, DJ Funderburk, Manny Bates, Jericho Helms, they're going to get theirs in the paint. They're going to score. But. Can you prevent them from scoring those ancillary points where you kind of just shoot yourself in the foot? That's the key to the game. Offensive rebounds, that sort of stuff. I'm with you there. And my my key has got to be stopping Helms. Helms made Syracuse look silly in the first game because he got whatever he wanted. It was at the free throw line. It was on the the elbows, on the wings. Anywhere Jericho Helms caught the ball, he was like, hey, I'm going to shoot it. They're not guarding me. If, if that sort of thing happens again, especially with a bit more reinforcement on this Wolfpack squad this time, it might not be a great result for Syracuse. So stop Helms is my number one key. And number two, work the ball around. Let Kadari Richmond get to the rim and kick it out. That worked down the stretch of this first game, and it worked especially at the end of the first half when the NC State lead was almost double digits. Syracuse was gassed. They looked like they were falling apart. Kadari Richmond came in and rejuvenated this team. So let Kadari get to the basket and kick him out. Maybe Buddy Bayheim has a game. I, that's a that's a big old maybe at this point. I, I just I don't know when it's going to happen. I really don't think it's going to happen. I think the season might be lost for Bayheim. Maybe Gerard, that 19-point, you know, pretty random second half, just kind of propels him into a hot shooting streak. I sure freaking hope so. Mm-hmm. So one of those two guys has to get hot. But maybe it'll come from Kadari Richmond really impacting this game like we saw him do in contest number one. And you mentioned Gerard. He had 19, like Ian said, uh, against Clemson. He had his greatest game in an SU uniform thus far against NC State last year. He scored, that was his 30 point game. He scored 30 points in that game, which is a program high versus the pack in regulation. Now, John Gillen has the actual record 43 back in 2017 but that was counting overtime if Gerard can get hot and have another game like that I don't think there's any way the orange can lose so those are your keys to the victory tonight Ian what's your prediction I would really hope Syracuse takes this one but at you know on the road with a team that's got some reinforcements back won an easy one against BC get their confidence up I I really could not call it John I'll give you a 72 to 68 scoreline but I could not okay. tell you who wins. Okay. I think NC State rebounds and wins the game. I think just with Thunderbird, they're a completely different animal. Jericho Hellams is hot with a capital H. Uh, he scored 24-10 and 10 in the first meeting, and he's averaging 13.3 points per game ever since Daniels went out. Bates is obviously going to protect the rim very well, and I'm, I'm pretty sure they're going to find Braxton Beverly open, and he's going to hit his threes. He's fifth in NC State history in career uh, three-pointers made. So I think NC State wins the game by 10. By 10? Yeah. Wow, that's, that's a... 
I, that's a that's a fat margin, I'd say. I think that's a bit too wide for this game, but all right. I mean, your reasoning your reasoning is valuable. I think Syracuse just has a bit more firepower than you give them credit for because Clem, Clemson's a pretty darn good defensive team. North Carolina State, if they're not forcing turnovers, their defense isn't that good. I understand. I just I gotta see it to believe it. You all know? right. Especially after that Clemson game, where Syracuse, it looked like it was six, you know, six-year-olds versus uh, some kids in college. I mean, they, they couldn't get anything. They made three shots in twenty minutes. We could do that. Uh, I mean, we probably could. We'll we'll see though. All right, Boston College on Saturday, two p.m. Kip at tip at the Dome. Uh, ACC Network will be broadcasting that one. Fizz factoid for BC: the five walk-ons that played against NC State are uh, they're known as the Martians, um, and I would say they got sent back to outer space. Because NC State went on a 37 to seven run early on in the first half. 37 three. Excuse me. It makes it. Don't give them. That makes it even worse. <laughs> yeah. BC got sent. The Martians got sent back into orbit. Um, and Syracuse did something pretty similar against the Eagles way, way, way back on December 12th. That feels like it. It was an eternity ago. 101 to 63 was that score. Um, Syracuse made a program record 16 threes. They had a 48 point lead with two minutes left in the game, five orange players in double figures. That was the game where we were all like, all right, this is the Syracuse team that has its mojo. They are ready to roll into ACC play. They're going to shoot the lights out from this point on. And we didn't get it. We drank a little bit too much Syracuse basketball Kool-Aid. And yeah, it, it you know we got a little bloated. Our stomachs got a little bloated. We ended up on the couch, and then you know I mean some teams presented some problems. Northeastern gave Syracuse a run for its money. Buffalo had a big old lead. Needless to say, the BC game seemed like a a big old like false false positive. Yeah. It it was a big old flash in the pan, and we never saw anything like it again. Is it going to happen again? Is Syracuse going to beat the living crap? out of Jim Christian squad. Well, they should, right? BC has had troubles with COVID. We mentioned the walk-ons. It, it, the majority of this team is walk-ons right now because of issues with COVID, and the program's kind of just in disrepair. Ian will kind of get into that. He read an, an article on The Athletic kind of going into that process. But this is a game Syracuse has no reason to lose at all. They're not going to hit 16 threes. You know, they, they've, they've reset the program record for threes twice a season, once against Ryder, once against BC. It doesn't happen often, but you sh you have no business losing to this BC team. They're terrible. Yeah, I'm with you. They are absolutely awful. In terms of BC's program, uh, let's let's just get this stuff out of the way. So Jim Christian has only had one winning season in his time at BC. He's been there since 2015. And Jim Christian came out before the Florida State game, which was canceled because Florida State had COVID positives, but so did BC. They were they had four scholarship players, and the Boston College Athletic Administration was like, we need to play this game. Jim Christian was came out to the media and said, we should not be playing this game. We have four scholarship players, but the administration is saying that we have to, so we're going to go ahead and play. And that sort of strife between an athletic director, a president, Whoever's up up top calling the shots and the head coach is never good, especially when you've had one winning season. And I think you've sent maybe two, three players to the NBA in your seven or eight years as head coach. It, it's a terrible look for the pro BC basketball program. It's a bad look for Jim Christian, and it's probably a sign that he could be on his way out. 
That doesn't mean anything for Syracuse because they should continue to beat Boston College anyway. The talent differential is just there. Like this is not this is not a football situation where BC brings in a new head coach and something drastically changes unless Boston College decides to pull a, a, a top 20 recruiter out of the woodwork. BC's program should not get any better because of the firing of Jim Christian and a hiring of, of the new coach. Syracuse should continue to dog on the Eagles for years to come. And, you know, with all that said, I don't really blame Christian. Why? What do you stand to gain from getting your butt kicked by a good Florida State team with four scholarship players and the rest walk-ons? What is the point? This year, we've seen programs cancel games left and right because they weren't able to play. Even if they were, they still canceled the games. You know, it's not a big deal. I don't understand why the administration is, like, basically forcing you to play a game when you're going to lose by, really, just pick a number, 20, 30. I don't understand that. It's not like they were going to get another win. They're 1-7 in conference play. It would have just made it 1-8, and eight, made them 3-12 and 12 on the year. Uh, just just more more bad news for Jim Christian and company. Uh, since since BC played Syracuse and lost pretty terribly, uh, they're two and six. They had the five consecutive games canceled, and they lost to NC State as we detailed earlier. That was their first game since January sixteenth. Hopefully, another loss is on the horizon because Syracuse should go at two and zero this week. I would hope. Ian, how the heck did BC beat Miami? I really, I gotta ask. I don't know. I really don't have an answer for you. I think that's more on Miami being the the biggest Jekyll and Hyde team I've ever seen in my whole entire life. Miami, Miami beat Duke and looks great sometimes. And then nights like this against BC, they come out and they can't make a three against Syracuse in the dome. They looked absolutely lost against the two three. I, I really have no answer for you. That being a Miami fan just must be like rolling the dice on a nightly basis. Are we sound like Packer and we sound like Packer and Durham. Right like Packer and Durham. <laughs> you, you probably just like flip a playing card over. You you flip a coin. It's heads or tails. What what Hurricanes team am I gonna get? Football and basketball. I would yeah, say, I mean, but. you're you're the football guy here, John. So you you know more about that than I do. But still, Miami has been all over the place. BC just has been in the cellar though, and. Uh, it's not it's not looking good for the Eagles because they their inability to do anything, absolutely anything against the two three zone hampers them. It's hampered them in the years past, and I shouldn't see it making a difference here. I have Syracuse winning this game by at least fifteen points. Okay. And I'll get into my prediction, but just two or three players to know. I guess one would be Jay Heath. He scored fifty nine points in the last three games. True sophomore averaging 14 a game. You'll see him. Uh, Winston Tabs didn't play against NC State. Uh, is he injured or do you know his That's status? something I'm I'm not aware of, but okay. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm really writing off this BC team as a whole, John. Sure. Tabs, Tabs is good. He's their only 40% three-point shooter. He's, he's just not enough. It's not enough as a whole. So, yeah, there you have it. I mean, there's some other guys. Rich Kelly, 10.6 points per game, about a 40% shooter, give or take. Three for 10 in the first meeting. C.J. Felder, three consecutive double-digit scoring games. He had 24 against Duke um, back in, I think, January it was. 51% shooter from the field, pretty good. But like Ian said, this BC team is nothing to be worried about if you're Syracuse. Now, you still got to come out and dominate and play well. The Orange have to take advantage of every opportunity to look like a competent team if they want to pass the eye test. Because right now, Joe Lenardi is not too impressed with Syracuse. He's not, they're not even on the bubble. 
not even knocking on the door of the bubble. So they got to start winning these games. I got Syracuse taking this one. I know they're, I have them losing NC State, but there's no way you can lose this game. Give me Syracuse by 17. Yeah, that's that's a good prediction. I think that's where we both are. Um, Winston Tabs was just listed as not available last game. There's no there's no real uh, rhyme or reason to it. It's I'm not even going to speculate. There's no there's no point in speculating. It should not make a difference. Syracuse should at least go one and one this week. Um, I mean, a win at North Carolina State doesn't have, unfortunately, the weight of any sort of tournament. I guess it shouldn't make a difference in the tournament conversation because North Carolina State is not close to a quad one win because Syracuse needs quad one wins. Right. They got they none. Have none. They need they some. Chances. Still got chances. They but. have chances, but at this point, it's real. It's really looking slim. However, Syracuse should go at least one and one this week, and uh, as long as they play North Carolina State close and what looked like a bad blowout in the Carrier Dome doesn't replicate itself, fans should be happy and the team should be happy because they should be at least trying their hardest to not replicate that Clemson performance. Yeah. Yeah. A win tonight would go a long way for Syracuse fans. It would show me quite a bit. That game tonight, 6.30, tipping off at PNC Arena on ACC Network. It's the Orange and the Wolfpack, followed by a Saturday matinee between Syracuse and Boston College, 2 o'clock on ACC Network as well. But for Ian Unsworth, I've been John Eads. Thanks so much for listening. Really enjoyed talking to you guys once again. We'll see you next week. As always, go Orange. <laughs>